Hey, you're listening to the GGC Life Podcast. Weekly messages from our Sunday services. We hope this message encourages you. Be blessed. Who's heard of Todd White? Most people have. If you haven't, YouTube Todd White and listen to his preaching. Because I think it's, it's very encouraging preaching. Really good preaching about Jesus. But we, you know, Josiah and I have uh, been talking to their managers to try to get him into our city for a long time, actually for the last possibly three, four, even five years. And so we've been wanting to come, get him to come across to Sydney and do a power and love in our city, get all the churches together. And um, it hasn't worked out yet. And then we went to the power and love in Dallas and uh, you know, I, I prayed the prayer. Lord, if you want it to happen, Lord, somehow let me connect with Todd and say hello to him, make it happen. But but I'm not going to go run after, I mean, you, it's got to be appropriate, you know, you can't, if he's preaching and, then, and he's gone, you can't, you do your best. But, so I prayed that prayer, said, God, please let it happen. Then it didn't happen at the Power of Love. Then we went to CFAN, which is in Florida, which is uh, Daniel Kalenda, that was the evangelism training. And there was a whole week of meetings, and he preached at the end, Thursday and Friday, a session on Thursday, a session on Friday. It was intimate, way more intimate, I thought maybe then we get an opportunity we were having dinner, lunches with everybody, and you allocated a table. We didn't get Todd White at that point. And then he was, when, when he sits down on the table, everyone's talking to him. So I, I just didn't want to interrupt. Anyway, it didn't work out. So we're catching our plane to Dallas in the airport. We're about to catch the plane we're catching. He's there, right there, standing there, about to catch it. I said, Christine, it's, it's Todd. So perfect. We said hello to him and had a good connection, a good talk, and, and spoke to him about coming to Sydney. And um, which is exciting. Pray into it because we believe God is going to do something powerful in Sydney. And God wants to stir the churches, bring the churches together, equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. And so uh, pray that that will happen. We're going to trust in God to bring him in early uh, sometime next year. So we don't know the dates yet, but please pray that that will happen. Amen. Isn't God good when he answers prayers like that? When he does it? Um, I want to share a little bit the time we've got left on, on, a, on a, basically I want to unravel and reveal the strategies of the enemy. The devil, the devil has a plan. The Bible talks about put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the enemy, the wiles of the devil. The word wiles means strategies. So he has a strategy against you. He has a plan, a pre-plan. He's thinking, how do I get this person? How do I get you? How do I get you down? How do I attack What's his method of attack? What's his method of attack? Well, the Bible says that we're not ignorant of his devices. And before that, it's talking about make sure you forgive one another because we don't want to be ignorant of the devil's schemes. It's another translation. So we, 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 in other words, we should know the devil's schemes. We should know how he works. Okay? So do you want to know how he works? Yeah. Do you want to know the, the number one way, the way he whispers? And what is he trying to do? What is he after? Okay, you've got your Bibles, Genesis chapter 1. All right. We're going to read. Well, first of all, you've got to understand that God made us in His image and made us in His likeness. Because if you don't know that God created us in His image and His likeness, then what we lost, we don't know what we can gain. We lost something amazing. We lost the very presence of God when Adam and Eve disobeyed they lost the presence of God. Guilt came, shame came, fear came. Just our, our spirit that was made in God's image spiritually died. Someone, someone says, 
if you, if you look at Christianity from its surface, you can, you can try to poke holes at it. But when you go deeper, then you realize, hang on a sec, it, it, it can't be poked. Some people, I've heard someone say that I, I, I've studied Christianity and I know it's wrong. And the way they prove it's wrong is because they say, I, I, I looked into Christianity and the, the, the word says that God created all things. Therefore, God created evil. And the word also says God's good, but he also created evil. So how can it be right? So if God created all things and God is good, but he created evil, they poke at that and they go, that must be all wrong. Well, first of all, God didn't create all things. Do you know that? In Hebrews, it says that, that no, no, the gospel of John says that, that, that God, God was the creator of all things that could be made. All things that were made. That, were, that means if, all things, if God's a creator of all things that were made, there are certain things that weren't made. There are certain things that were uncreated. God is one of them. God did not create himself. He's an uncreated being. So that's one thing he didn't create, himself. And if he didn't create himself, he didn't create love because his, his essence is love. God did not create love because love is in the heart of God and God is uncreated. So there's one thing that's uncreated. Love, goodness, holiness, joy, Peace, the nature of God is uncreated. Therefore, evil is uncreated. Because evil is the result of not choosing who God is. If there's an, even the sense of, yes, God created our body. He shaped us from the dust of the earth. That part is created. But the part that he stooped down and breathed into our nostrils and breathed, that essence of man is uncreated because it came from the heart of God. And so when we, created in the image of God, choose to disobey God, it's the, the absence of who God is is evil. The consequence of disobeying God is evil. That's not created. It's like darkness is the absence of light. Darkness has not been created. In the natural, they say darkness can't be measured because it's the absence of light. Heat or cold is the absence of heat. Does that make sense? Same with evil is the absence of God. It's not created. God didn't create evil. He gave us a free will, and we chose to disobey God. That brought evil into the earth. You see how on the surface you look at Christianity, oh, that must be wrong. But you go deeper, you go, hang on a sec. How can we question the almighty God? So I want you to look where God speaks to, it's in Genesis chapter 2. Let's read from verse 9, or actually verse 7. And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. The Lord God planted a garden eastward in, in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made every tree, everybody say every tree, every grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. So there's a lot of trees, every tree. The tree of life was also in the middle of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So there's lots of trees in the garden. Every tree God created, it's all good. It's beautiful with fruit in it to enjoy for mankind, for Adam and Eve to eat of the fruit and enjoy every tree of the garden. There was a tree of life in the middle and the tree of the good and evil. Verse 10, now a river went in, no, no, we're not going to read verse 10. I want to read, 
Verse 15, Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden and to tend it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat. So what are they allowed to do? Eat of every tree. They're allowed to freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. You remember, God's a good God. God put a tree of the knowledge of good and evil for a reason. But he also said, don't touch it. If God's a good God, we should just trust his word. He's saying it's best for us not to eat of it. And the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. And he made a helper for him and so on. And he made Eve. And now this is how the enemy comes in. We won't go into the whole story, but Lucifer was a perfect angel. He disobeyed God. He was cast into the earth. He's a, angel, he's, a, he's a fallen spirit, a fallen angel. He convinced a third of the angels to come with him. And now this fallen Lucifer went into a snake and spoke through a snake to Eve. And the first thing that he said to, to Eve, he says, basically he says, Did God really say, you shall die? All he did is whispered. Did God really say? He just put a question mark on what God said. God said, don't touch the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And she said, now God, God said that we can touch the tree. Uh, we can't eat it. And he was actually, the way the devil questioned it was like, did God really say you can't touch every tree? So he's twisting what God said. And she said, oh no, God said we can't touch this tree. We can't eat it or even touch it. She adds to God. The, the, the question was doubt. It was questioning the integrity of what God said. Did God say? And then she said, well, if we eat of it, we'll die. And, and you know what Satan said? Satan says, would you really die? Now, God said you'd die. And Satan says, would you really die? Who's right? Are God's lying or the devil's lying? The devil's tactics is to, 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 to plant a seed of doubt in your mind. Did God really say, would you really die? Maybe God knows that if you eat of it, you will, it'll be good for food, you'll taste it, but you'll be like God. Now he is producing the original sin that he wanted to be like God. In Isaiah 14, it says, I want to be like the Most High. I want to exalt myself higher than the throne. I want to be like God. So now he's planting that seed in Eve. If you eat of it, God knows. He's now testing the motive of God. God really knows that you'll be like God. That's why God doesn't want you to eat it. He's testing now the motive of God. That God really doesn't want the best for you. Hang on a sec. God made all these beautiful trees you can eat of. And he hones into one that God says you can't touch. Because the day that you eat of it, you'll die. They spiritually died. The act of disobedience made them die. It was bad for them. But Satan put a lie, just a little lie. Did God really say? Now, Satan hasn't changed. He's still doing the same. He, he, he does that with all of us. If you go to Matthew chapter 4, Matthew chapter 4, now he does it with everyone. I mean, So hot up here. Yes. <laughs> Eve entertained the question, and mankind fell into darkness, fell, fell from God's presence, God's nature, fell into darkness. 
Abraham entertained the question and Ishmael was born. God gave a promise to Abraham, you're going to have a child. But he wanted to help God. So at one point he must have said, oh, well, maybe it's not going to be the way God said. Question, maybe God needs help. And Ishmael was born. And we know the problems that Ishmael has developed in the world today. Moses, God spoke to Moses to um, speak to the rock. But instead of obeying God, he, maybe I could do it this way. This is what what worked last time. I, I smoked the rock. And he disobeyed God. And he wasn't allowed to go into the promised land. Because a little question in his mind. So Satan, with his tactics, is going to use this against Jesus, the son of the living God. He doesn't change. He's trying the same thing on us. If you read Matthew 4, I'm not there yet. But before you pick it up on Matthew 4, let's read chapter 3, verse 15. But Jesus answered and said to him, this is where Jesus was going to get baptized by John the baptizer. And John says, hang on a sec, I need to be baptized by you, and you come to me? Imagine how John the baptizer felt. This is the son of the living God, the Messiah who's going to save the world, and he's in his holiness and his righteousness coming down to be baptized by John. John says, I need the baptism you're going to give. And he didn't want to baptize him. But Jesus says, permit it to be so now, for thus it is to fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him. When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were open. So you just picture this moment that Jesus gets baptized by John, and the moment he comes out of the water, the heavens split open. And, and I love the fact that he was fulfilling all righteousness. So righteousness opens heavens over our lives. And we know that God, through Jesus, gave us the gift of righteousness. The gift of righteousness opens heaven to us. And God spoke to his son Jesus. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Wouldn't that be beautiful to hear? You should hear that every day. In God's presence, you should hear the Father saying to you, You're my beloved Son. You're my beloved daughter. I love you. you I, in you I am well pleased. You remember, this is before Jesus did any miracle. He hasn't preached a sermon. He hasn't healed the sick. He hasn't raised the dead. He hasn't done anything in regards to ministry except that he's a son. And he's intimate with the Father. He's just obeying God in, in relationship. And God says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. That's a powerful thing. God spoke. I mean, how does it make you feel? God, imagine the, when next time you go outside to pray and a cloud comes and God himself speaks to you. That's a powerful experience, isn't it? That's what you would call a high mountain experience, encountering God, hearing the very voice of God, not just in my spirit, but actually hearing God speak. That's a powerful encounter. And then it says in verse, remember chapter 3 and chapter 4 is put there by man. The writer, Matthew, is writing this all one story. So he's basically saying Jesus has an encounter and hears the voice of God. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Who led Jesus into the wilderness? The Spirit of God led him to be tempted. It's almost like now you're going to go into the battle because when you get into the battle of being tempted by the devil and you come through and win, the Bible says Jesus came out with power. He was filled with the Spirit. But when he went and got tempted, he came out of wilderness after 40 days of fasting. He was filled with power. Actually, he fasted 40 days and 40 nights, didn't eat food or water. And the Bible says, after he fasted, 
after he was hungry. It's like the devil waiting for an opportune time. The devil's waiting. I mean, when you fast for 40 days and 40 nights, and you're in the desert, it's hot, and you haven't eaten or drink, drunk anything. Afterwards, as the Bible says, after he fasted, he was hungry, and now the devil goes, this is my moment. I'm waiting for an opportune moment, and this is what I'm going to, I'm going to go in now. And so when Satan came, now when the tempter came to him, he said, the first thing he said, if you are the son of God. Why did he say that for? Because Satan heard God the Father say, my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. So what's he after? He's questioning, did God really say, you are the son of God? Because if you are the son of God, turn this stone to bread. In other words, I'm, I, I'm, he's doing the same thing he did with Eve. Did God really say, you're going to die if you eat the tree? Questioning the integrity of who, what God, God said to you. God's still throwing doubt into our heads. Into, did God really say? God gives you a promise. God, you read the word. You get revelation. Did God really say? So he's, he whispers to him, if you are the son of God, turn this stone into bread. Now, you've got to think about this. Jesus didn't have to prove to anybody he's the Son of God. When you know you're the Son of God, do you have to prove it? If someone comes up to me and says, prove to me that you're a man or that you're male, I don't have to prove anything. I know I'm a male. I wouldn't even react. I mean, what are you talking about? I know who I am. Prove to me that you're a Nicotra. don't have to. I know I'm a Nicotra. my second name. Prove to me that you're the Son of God. Why is he trying to put doubt on him? Because he knows, he's hitting the identity of who Jesus knows who he is. He heard, he heard God speak. But listen to this. We know this very, very well because Jesus replied with the word of God. It is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Now Jesus could have said, see Jesus never used his experience with God. His high mountain experience of hearing the voice of God. He didn't say, I know I'm God. I know I'm the Son of God because I heard the voice of God. I heard the voice of my father uh, when I was baptized and I heard the father. That's insecurity, trying to use an experience. When you have a high moment with God, encountering, experiencing, you don't fight the devil with, I had this powerful moment with God. You've got to fight the devil with, God, my father, has spoken to me. I know him. Regardless of what I experience, I know what God has said to me. It's very important that our faith is in what God has said, not in circumstances. Does this make sense? You've got to trust what God has spoken to you. And when the devil comes, he's going to go after the very word that God said to you. The very word he's spoken, the very promise he said to you, that's what he's working on. He's trying to, trying to get you to doubt what God said to you. That didn't work. So then he tries with, the Bible says in verse 5, Then the devil took him up into a holy city, set him on a pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, again, he's going for the same thing. If you are the Son of God, then he knows the Scripture. He actually takes the Scripture and says, Throw yourself from this high point. Because the book of Psalms says that if you happen to walk up on a mountain and you slip, by accident slip, the angels will catch you. That's in the Bible. So Satan goes, 
I know the word. If you're the son of God, throw yourself. Let's see that God will catch you. Let's see if you are the son of God. Because if you are the son of God, if you jump, let's just test God. He's questioning again. He's throwing the question out again. He says, you're not the son of God because if you don't jump, you're not proving. Again, you don't have to prove to anyone what you really are when you know who you are. Jesus said clearly and simply, again, he didn't use his experience, he didn't use his previous encounters, he just said, it is written, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. And if you read where he quotes that from, the children of Israel, these are the same children that were used, uh, were taken out of Egypt, they saw Moses exercise great authority, the ten plagues came on Egypt and didn't come on Israel. They, when they eventually came to the Red Sea and they were stuck, God, Moses puts his staff out and the Red Sea opens up. They saw these miracles. They walked on dry ground. When they needed water, bang, uh, he, he, he smote the rock and the river came out of the water of the rock and they drank. They saw miracle after miracle. They actually lived with the presence of God fire by day. Imagine seeing a cloud of fire to keep you warm at nighttime. I mean, what's that? It's just, just God's presence. And you wake up in the morning and you don't need the fire anymore. You need the cloud to protect you from the sun. It's in the desert. And now there's this cloud. What's that cloud? Everywhere we go, the cloud comes with us. Actually, we follow the cloud. Cloud's in front of us. I mean, this is supernatural. Everything's supernatural. That's the presence of God. And they got so used to it, the Bible says, when they were thirsty and they were now at the end of them, they accused Moses of taking them out. You brought us out of here to kill us. And they actually said this. We want to we see if the Lord is with us. Give us water. They were testing God. That's what it says in the scripture. We want to see if the Lord is really among us. Give us water. And God says they tempted him. We don't have to see a miracle to see that God is with us. Do you know that? It's like the disciples, the Bible says the very first miracle that Jesus did do was turn water into wine. It was a transformational miracle. Not bread into, not stone into bread, because he said no to that, to the devil. By the way, have you ever been tempted when you're fasting to turn stone into bread? I haven't yet. But that's the, the consciousness of Jesus being the Son of God. The devil was tempting him to something he knew he could do. He goes, nah, you shall not live on bread alone. He gave the word, gave the word, gave the word. And in this case, the, the, when, the Bible says when Jesus turned the water into wine, it says this is the first miracle that Jesus did and the disciples believed in him. So the disciples became their, his followers because they saw miracles. When you follow a miracle, is that why you become a believer? Because you saw miracles and signs and wonders and you see the power of God? If you follow what you see, then when you don't see it, your faith will shake. What happens is uh, the disciples saw Jesus die on the cross. Now their faith is shaken because they took Jesus from them. And now they're hiding away full of doubt and unbelief because of what they see. Because their faith was shaken. Jesus' faith is not shaken. He doesn't have, to do, doesn't have to see God do something supernatural. He just says, shall not tempt the Lord your God. Shall not tempt him. So then Satan comes a third time. And it's found in verse 8. Again, the devil took him up on a high exceedingly mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. Now, this has actually, actually happened. In other words, it wasn't an idea. It wasn't a thought. Took him up on a high mountain and showed Jesus the kingdoms. Showed him Rome. 
showed him Ephesus maybe, Colossians and all the cities in those days, showed them the glory and the riches and the wealth. What was Satan doing? He's saying, if you bow down and worship me, I'll give you the kingdoms. Now, we haven't got time to go through all the scriptures, but Psalms 2, Psalms is a, 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 a psalm about the Messiah. You read it. Psalms 2 talks about, uh, this day have I begotten you. Talking about Jesus. You are my son, and this day I have begotten you. And he says, because you're my son, I will give you the nations. And, and you ask of me, and I'll give you the nations and the heathens and all the cities of the nations. Because you're my son, you will inherit the nations. Satan knew that promise was in the Old Testament. And basically, Satan's trying to say, I know you're supposed to be the son of God, and God's promise to the son of God is you'll get all the nations, but I've got him. He's trying to, again, did God really say? Now, God's not keeping his word to you. God's not a good God because he gave him to me. He's lying, but he got it through Adam. He does have him, but Adam gave it to him. He deceived Adam because Adam was given all the authority on the earth, and Adam forfeited their authority and was deceived and committed high treason. And through Adam's fall, the Bible says Satan is the God of this world. That's in 2 Corinthians. Satan had the, the kingdoms, or else he couldn't offer them to Jesus. If Satan didn't own the kingdoms, it wouldn't be a real temptation. Jesus would have just said, you don't own the, king the kingdoms. So now Satan's saying, if you want the kingdoms, I'll give them to you. It's easy. Bow down. Bow down. This is the easy way. Bow down and I'll give you the kingdoms, but then you'll belong to me. And Jesus would never do that. And Jesus, didn't, again, didn't give him a theological debate about Psalms 2. He didn't go into theology. He didn't go into revelation about I am the Son of God and I know Psalms. God spoke to me and he's going to give them to me anyway and I'm going to die on the cross. He didn't say any of that. He just says, worship the Lord. you shall worship the Lord God and only him shall you worship. And what did he do? It is written. It is written. Satan wants to throw a little doubt. But you've got to know the word. If you and I don't know the word, when the enemy comes, you won't even know. You won't even know he whispered. You won't even know that he, he spoke a lie about your understanding of God because you don't even know how, what God has said to you. It's so vital. The Bible says the whole armor, the, righteousness of, you know, the, the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, the shield of faith, the belt of truth, everything's protecting you. It is a part of the word anyway. All those things are connected to the word of God, knowing the word. But the only offensive weapon is the sword. He yeah. goes, and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So could you imagine you going to battle with no sword? Everyone has a weapon. You go out as a civilian. Come on. We'll be killed straight away. You have to know this word. I have to know when God says something to me, the devil's going to whisper and say, did God say God says and whispers to me, God, uh, you're my son. The devil's going to go, are you really, the, you're really his son? When I left my first church, when I got, I got saved in one church, and eventually after being there for three and a half years, God spoke to me and planted a church. When I left, God spoke. Hear what I said? God spoke. He spoke to my heart. He said, Leo, you're called to plant a church. I fasted for four weeks to hear the voice of God, and he made it clear. You're called to plant a church. This is what happened to me. When I went out and left the beautiful family and, and, and said goodbye and cried, and I left to obey God started whispering in my ear. And you know what he said? These are some of the words he says. Leo, what happens if you fail? What about if you don't know how to preach? What about if uh, you backslide? Uh, what about if he didn't call you? What about if this is just you? What's he trying to do? Did God say? Did God really say? So vital that we know this word. 
Because it's our only offensive weapon against the enemy. He will lie. He'll always lie. God, God touches you and says, I've healed you. I've all your past hurts and all those things. And you get up after a few days, he tries to remind you of the past hurt. Someone that hurt you. Unforgiveness. See, God didn't heal you. He whispers. That's the point to say, no, God, you said I'm healed. So I thank you for my healing. I thank you to touch my heart and I'm healed. Thank you those things do not affect me and now I have your thoughts. At what, what, at what point do you believe what God's word says to you? We need to go back to the word like childlike faith and say, God, whatever you say to me, I'm going to believe it and treasure it. I, I, I believe with all my heart this is what your word says. I'll tell you what, we, we say God says things that he never has said to us. You know how I know? It's contrary to the Word of God. Sometimes people say to me, this is what God said, but it's completely contrary to this Word. When you know the Word, God can never speak against His Word. He always, the Holy Spirit speaks always according to the Word of God that's written. If it's not in the Word, you can just say, hang on, that's not, my, that's not from my Father. That's just Satan just whispering, whispers, whispers. Now, let's not be overconscious of the enemy. Let's just get in the Word, just to know Him. It's, when you're in love with Jesus, you just hear His voice. It's a beautiful thing just to know Him. Be in love with Jesus. Amen? Amen. Can we pray? Take this Word. If I can say it this way, eat it. So I don't have time. Show me your, show me your mobile and I'll, I'll check some FaceTime. I'll check... Facebook time, I'll check your screen time, I'll check where your time's going. And don't tell me you have no time. Talk about the word of the living God. TV time. Fellowship, friendship time, sport time. I don't know. I'm sure you'll find time when we actually prioritize this is God speaking to me. I need to hear his voice. I need to hear his voice and no one else's voice. Amen. God is raising up a people that's in love with Jesus passionately in love with Him. To look into His beautiful face. Sometimes I remind myself, God, why, why haven't I? Why are times do I hold back? Why is it sometimes I withhold? Why? It's because I'm not living in the fullness of the revelation of how beautiful He is. If you saw Jesus' eyes, if you saw His beautiful, pure eyes of love for you, Jesus said to me, Leo, there's no one else in the world to love. No one else but just you. There's no one else to love. There's billions of people for him to love. I know that. But if there wasn't anybody else but just you, Jesus said to me, I would not love you any more than I already do now. That's how pure his love is for you. He loves you so much that he can't love you more than he already loves you now. But you have to experience that love. You have to encounter that love. You have to receive that love. Some of us know how to love Him, but we don't know how to allow Him to love us. So I encourage you, again, at home, in your private time, like Christine was saying, when there's nobody around, put some worship on, put some beautiful music on. To receive from God, you have to rest. Why do you have to rest? Jesus is seated. So you need to be seated. You have to rest. When we were there, um, Roy Fields, 
you know of Roy Fields, he was used in Pensacola Revival, Lakeland Revival. He's a great worship guy. And he did an exercise with us that I want to do just for a moment. It's going to take a minute. Um, it's a scripture. I want us to say this out loud and just close your eyes where you are. Just say this out loud. Be still and know that I am God. Say it again. Be still and know that I am God. Now say it this way. Be still and know that I am. He is the great I am. He's not just God. He's the almighty God. The almighty God. Be still and know that I am God. The almighty one, the all-powerful one, the all-loving one. Be still and know. Now know that truth. Just know. Know that truth. Now say this. Be still and know that I. Well, I should say it this way. Be still and know. Be still and know. Know it now. Think about it. Meditate. Receive it. Now say this. Be still. Quieten your soul. Rest in Him. Receive from Him. Now say this. Be. Not do, just be. You just be a child. You be a son. You be a daughter. Because you rest your soul and you say to yourself, be still and know that I am God. God's in complete control of your life. He's got no problem with keeping the galaxy spinning and moving. He's got no problem with running your life. So be still and know that I am am God. Lord, we surrender to you. We surrender to your word. We believe every word you say to us. If you say by your stripes we were healed, we believe it, Lord. If you say to us, my God will supply all your needs according to your riches in glory, then we believe that you have supplied all our needs according to your riches in glory. And we thank you for every single person, Lord, that you bless them, fill them with your love. I pray for if there's anybody here that doesn't know Jesus, Lord, that they'll make peace with God right now. Right now, you can make peace with God. In fact, if you want to meet Jesus, you can come out the front. We're going to close this time, and we're going to have a prayer place for healing, miracles. If you need deliverance and you need prayer, the front's going to be open for people. Our leadership team will pray with you. But if you want to meet Jesus, you can come out the left there, and you can meet Jesus, especially if it's the very first time. Father, we bless you, we worship you, we adore you. You're wonderful. You're wonderful in our hearts. You're wonderful. When we go home, you're going to be as wonderful. You're magnificent. You're glorious. I ask one thing, Lord. Reveal your heart to us. Reveal your face to us. Show us how much you love us, and we receive that love. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Be blessed, everyone. We love you dearly. God's got amazing plans for you. Let his face shine on you. Go out with the goodness of God. People want to know Jesus. You know, we've been going around everywhere and saying, hey, Jesus loves you. The responses I get is phenomenal. They're not all bad. Actually, 90% are responses of, I hope so. Others say, oh, yeah, he loves you too. Oh, thank you. Don't be surprised. Just tell them, hey, Jesus really loves you. It is a great conversation starter. Bless you. Have a great afternoon. Tonight, 5 p.m., we're going to go deeper into these things. Be blessed.
We love you dearly. You've been listening to the GGC Life Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. For more, please visit our website, ggclife.com, or email us, ggclife at ggclife.com. From our house to yours, be blessed.